So this is uh, these last two weeks. How many were not here last week? Just to give me an idea. Raise your hand if you were not here last week. All right, there's a, there's a scattering of people. Um, so let me catch you up with what we're going. It, obviously, this, it looks a little bit different uh, that we have this stage out here. Uh, what we've been doing last week and this week is a thing called a walkthrough of the Old Testament. Um, and so it's... Uh, <clears throat> The thing that we're doing, it's, it's kind of a method. What I'm, what I'm going to be teaching today, it's a method to help you memorize the main events of the Old Testament. All right, there's your three M's. It's a method to memorize the main events of the Old Testament. Um, and this thing that we're going to be doing, I'm kind of doing it up here. This is, I, I want you to use your imagination that you're all in my living room. Right? So you're all over at my house, you're sitting on couches in my living room, and this is, the, this is my living room, and, and if you use your imagination, my wife is in the kitchen making you all empanadas, so you can smell the food coming, but it's not coming because she's sitting right here, she's not going to make any empanadas. But what we're doing is really, it's really designed to be able to do this as a family, to, for parents to be able to do this with your kids in the living room, or maybe a small group at your house to be able to go through and say, hey, let's, let's do this thing. I learned how to do it at, the, at church, and, and so let's go through this uh, Old Testament walkthrough together um, in, in various contexts, maybe some friends from school or, or work or uh, whatever. So I really want to encourage you, a big part of why we're doing this as a congregation is to equip each and every one of you to be able to do this on your own, uh, to do this maybe in some other small group context. Uh, and we'd love to see people doing that. Uh, another big purpose is just for our own instruction, right? So as we go through this walkthrough of the Old Testament, it really, we're not going to be getting into a lot of the details, and there's a whole lot of names that we're not even going to mention that are in the Old Testament and in the story of what God has done. But, but the goal is to sort of paint a big picture of the timeline, to sort of have a skeleton to go through um, so that when, when you're uh, learning something or studying something or scripture, or maybe you come to a uh, uh, church and, and Pastor Mark is up there preaching on Isaiah and, and Isaiah is talking about the coming Assyrian destruction of Israel, in your minds, this walkthrough should hopefully help you plug that puzzle piece into a greater context, uh, into a timeline of the big picture of what the things are that God has done and what he is doing. All right? So that, that's what we're all about, and that's what we're doing. So when he encouraged you to come to the front, there are still, if you want to come up so you can see this floor, you're welcome to wander up. That's okay. Um, but we're going to start off. All right. And I lost the text. So we're going to start off. If you can bring the map up on the screen. And I, we don't really need the technology for that. That's okay. Um, here's what we're going to do. This is a map of the Middle East up there. And for those of you that weren't here last week, I'm going to do a quick review. We're going to go through what we learned last week. For those of you that were here, this will help you remember and be a reminder of what we did last week. And for those of you that weren't here, it's going to catch you up to where we are. But I recommend to you that the videos uh, are, is going to be online. So you can look at Don's video from last week if you want to get the detailed uh, teaching of last week's timeline. But last week we went through uh, this map of the Middle East. We have this big body of water, and we're going to pretend that these folks sitting over here, they're sitting out in this big body of water. What body of water is this, everyone? 
All right, you're all sitting in the Mediterranean Sea, and you're looking in on the Middle East. You're looking in on the land of Canaan that is right in this area. Down here is another body of water, and this is down at the bottom down here. Um, what body of water is this right here? The Red Sea. All right, so we've got the Med Sea, we've got the Red Sea. Uh, so these people over here, they are all Egyptians. All right, these are the Egyptians over here. Okay, in the middle, we have what's called the, the Syrian or Arabian Desert. So this is a big wilderness desert area out in here, okay? This whole plain, um, and my wife reminds me, it's not Mesopotamia. There's no ends in that. It's Mesopotamia. I always struggle to say that. But this whole body of land over here, this is Mesopotamia, all right? Modern day, this is where Iran and Iraq and Syria and Jordan are in these areas of land over here, the Fertile Crescent or Mesopotamia, all right? So that's our map. We've got the land of Canaan, which is modern day Israel. We've got the Mediterranean Sea. We've got the Red Sea. We've got Egypt. We've got the, uh, Mesop the Fertile Crescent over here, the Mesop Mesopotamia, which I can't say still. Um, right in the, on the, what divides Canaan from the wilderness, we've got another body of water up here that's called a sea. Um, but I, I, with a few of you, have been there. And you can stand on one side and look across the other. In America, we would call it a lake. Uh, but it's called the Sea of Galilee. Galilee. So this is the Sea of Galilee. And out of the Sea of Galilee flows a river, the River Jordan. All right, the Jordan River. And Jordan River flows down to the lowest point on earth, 1,200 feet below sea level into the Dead Sea. All right, so the Dead Sea, we got the Dead Sea, the Red Sea, the Med Sea. And I don't know why they made them all rhyme like that, but we Dead Sea, Red Sea, Med Sea, all right here. All right, and we've got the land of Canaan. All right, so with that, now you got to use your imagination because we're going to take the map off the screen. And I'm going to put my laser pointer down. So now the rest of this we're going to do from memory. So you're going to Pretend that this is the map. You've got to use your imagination uh, now, and we're going we're gonna to review what we did last week. And today, we're going, we're going all the way from creation to the close of the Old Testament, all today. So, so fasten your seatbelts, all right? Now, this is also, by the way, this is meant to be interactive. So I need your help. Like, you've got to be loud. I need you to shout out the answers because the more you engage with me on this, the easier it's going to be for you to remember. And remember, the goal of this is for you all to memorize this. So I need you engaging with me on it. Go ahead and shout out the answers when I, when I give you the signals, okay? So I need you engaging with me. If you don't, there are people in the crowd whose names I know, like maybe Justin Miller, who I will call out and make him do it. Um, since last week he put a video of me doing like a, the, the, well, the quail on the thing. So I, I can get even with him now that I'm up and I have the microphone. Um, so I need you engaging with me as we go through this together. All right. So we're going to start in the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. We're just going to, we just memorized what they are. Um, and, and this timeline really starts in Genesis 12. So those that you were here last week, I, you need to be loud because the people that weren't here, you need to help them remember this. We're going to start. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 is what? Creation. Creation. Genesis 3. Fall. The fall of man. Genesis 4. First the first murder. Chapter 5. Genealogies. Everybody's favorite. Genesis 6 through 9. The flood. The flood. Genesis 10. Flood. 
another genealogies, and then Genesis 11. Tower of Babel. All right, very good. So that, that's your first 11 chapters. Takes us up to the Tower of Babel. Now, Tower of Babel, you remember, that's when God disperses, he confuses the languages, and the, the nations are formed. The people groups with the same languages go off and form the various late nations around the known world. Okay? So that brings us to Genesis 12. In Genesis 12, we're down here in this part of the map in the city of Ur. Ur. All right, in the city of Ur, we have Salt. What did that stand for? Sarah, Abraham, Lot, and Terah. Very good. God calls Abraham out. God gives Abraham three promises. He promises them land, seed, blessing. He gives, promises them land, seed, and blessing. Abraham believes God. That faith is counted as righteousness because Abraham sets off onto a land that he doesn't know. He leaves his hometown, brings his family, Sarah, Abraham, Lot, Terah. They believe the threefold promise. They end up up here in the city of? All right, everybody's dying down a little bit. Okay, so it's Baron Haran. Now we call it Baron Haran because at this point, Sarah is barren. Right? She, the, Abraham and Sarah haven't had any children, but Abraham has believed that God is going to provide these children. So they are up here in the city of? Barren Haran. And Barren Haran, Terah, dies. So Terah's off the scene now. The family then travels down. They make it into the land of Canaan where Lot, Lot splits. So they, they have that division. Lot takes off. Lot splits. Now Sarah and Abraham are in the land. They're in Canaan. And now finally, Abraham has two eyes. He has Ishmael and Isaac. The two sons are born to Abraham. But only one of them's chosen for that promise. To, that promised seed to come through is going to come through one of these sons. Which one? Isaac. Isaac, right. So Isaac raises up. Isaac has two sons. He has a son named Harry Esau, and now this next one doesn't work as well for me as it does Don, and I got, but it's Smooth Jacob, right, I'd have to maybe do that or something, Smooth Jacob, all right, so, so uh, Isaac is the one that's chosen, Isaac grows up, he has Harry Esau, and he has Smooth Jacob, which one's chosen? Jacob is the chosen one, Jacob grows up, by the way, his name gets changed to what? Israel, and he has how many sons? Twelve sons. What's the names of the two youngest? Benjamin and Joseph. Very, very good. Joseph ends up through a very unfortunate series of events. He ends up down here in Egypt in bondage to Potiphar. So Joseph's down here with Potiphar. All kinds of bad stuff happens. But God raises up Joseph and he becomes... A big wheel, a big deal, the head honcho, a big cheese, uh, numero dos, I guess, not uno, but he's the big guy on campus. So he says to his family, who's still up here in Canaan, he tells them, come on down. So the family, how many come down? 70 people in the family come down. Those 70 people in 400 years become how many? Two and a half million people. Now remember, Joseph's, by that point, Joseph's dead. The Potiphar's dead. I mean, they, they didn't live 400 years. So um, the pharaohs that came after them ended up putting the Hebrew people into slavery. So now we have two and a half million Hebrews in Egypt in slavery. They cry out to God. 
God raises up a deliverer, the man Moses. Moses comes to Pharaoh and says, Very good. Pharaoh says, No. So God brings 10 plagues. Moses comes back to Pharaoh. Let my people go. Pharaoh says, Go, get out of here. So the people cross over the Red Sea. They walk through the Red Sea and they end up at Mount Sinai where God gives the law. So the people leave. They come up here to the town of? Yeah, that's the hard one to remember, right? This is Katie's Barn or Kadesh Barnea. So they come up here to the town of? Kadesh Barnea, and they send 12 spies out to spy out the land that God had promised, right? So 12 spies go out, 10 spies come back, and they say, no way, there are giants over there, there is no way we can win this, we need to stay out of there. But two of the spies say, yes, those two spies' names are? Joshua and Caleb, they believed God. They said, God has promised us that land. God goes before us. God will give us the victory. We can do this thing. Now, unfortunately, who do the Hebrew people believe? They believe the 10. So God curses them and they wander in the wilderness for how many years? 40 years wandering in the wilderness, eating manna and quail. Here's the chicken dance part. So they're eating the manna and they're eating the quail. Now, just to pause here for a second, these people had seen some incredible, incredible things. I mean, put your mind all the way back in Egypt. They see the 10 plagues that come. They cross through the, across the Red Sea on dry land. They see God uh, kill the Egyptian army that's chasing after them. They see they are getting fed in the wilderness. Their sandals aren't wearing out. They're following a pillar of fire, a cloud of smoke, waters coming out of rocks. I mean, it, it's just, it is just big, big, big miracles, one after another of big things. They are seeing God do these amazing, incredible things. Now, that generation that saw all of that, because they're cursed the wilderness, they all die off. So it's the kids that have grown up now. And Moses and Joshua and Caleb are still alive from that older generation. But now it's the younger generation. It's the next generation that comes up. And they come up here to Mount Nebo. So they're at Mount Nebo and Moses preaches. preaches. He preaches his final five sermons, which is our book of Deuteronomy. So Moses preaches the book of Deuteronomy here and then Moses, Moses dies. Now that's where we ended last week. So for those of you that missed last week, um, you can watch the video and, and hear just a little bit more and have that all explained and rehearsed a whole bunch more. But, so now we're on Mount Nebo where Moses was able to look across and see the promised land. But he dies here on Mount Nebo. Now, Joshua raises up. He becomes the leader that is now going to lead Israel and this next generation. So, Joshua leads the people, and I'm going to do this because Joshua leads the people across the river Jordan. So Joshua leads the people, they cross the river Jordan, and they come to the first city that's here. And it's a mighty city. 
And God gives them the mighty victory. And I won't sing the whole song, but Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Right, that one. Okay. So we're going to do for this, I'm going to say, uh, so Joshua, they come over here and they defeat the city of Jericho. And there's the walls falling down. So, okay. So they fought the battle of Jericho. So they have a mighty victory here. So then they go further inland into Canaan. They come to the city of Ai. Now, Ai was a much smaller deal than Jericho. I mean, this should have been an easy victory in Ai. But they get to Ai, and they are, I'm going to give you two thumbs down, they are defeated in Ai. Now, why are they defeated? Well, back here in Jericho, and, and really as Let's see back up even further. Back here at these sermons that Moses preaches to prepare the people to enter the land, Moses tells them their goal of what they're going to be doing in the land. Uh, one of the things they're going to be doing in the land is they are to purge the land of all idolatry, of pagan peoples. They are to, they are to cleanse this land because when Israel comes into the land, they are to be a people set apart for God in this land. They are to be holy and separate, a priesthood to all the surrounding nations for God. So the command that God gives them way over here when they're in the wilderness is when they go into the land, they're to purge it. They're to utterly cleanse the lands, destroying all the pagan worship, destroying all the high places and the idolatry. And the other thing he commands, and we're going to talk more about this later, is they are to never ever forget all these great and mighty things that God has done. All these great and mighty things that they have seen from the Passover through the Exodus in the wilderness times, all the ways that God has provided. So those are a couple of the big commands as they come into the land. So when they come to the city of Jericho, God gives them this victory. They, one of the things he tells them is do not take any spoil. Destroy it all. You're not to have any of it. Well, okay, so they have that victory. They come to the city of Ai and they are defeated. Why? Because back here there was a man by the name of Achan. Well, Achan decided he was going to pocket some of the spoils. So they've got this guy in their midst when they go to Ai who had, who had disobeyed God and stolen some of the stuff from Jericho. And so they come to Ai and they're defeated because Achan stole the bacon. All right, so that's what we're going to remember. Right, so in the city of Ai they are Defeated because Achan stole the victory and then they have victory. All right, so the two thumbs up. So we're going to do uh, at AI, they are defeated, two thumbs down because Achan stole the bacon and then they come back to AI and they have victory. All right, so now they're back here, they have victory. Now I'm going to do this because what, uh, what Joshua leads the people to do, God's command, is they, they divide Canaan. So they have a central campaign through the center of Canaan to split the country in half. So this is going to, when I do this, this is the central campaign. And then this is the, guess what campaign this is? Southern campaign. And then we have the northern. You guys are good. All right. So let's back up and review all this. Moses dies. Joshua leads the people across the? Jordan River. They come to the city of Jericho and they defeat it. They go to the city of Ai and defeated because Achan stole the bacon. They come back and they have victory. So then uh, Israel does this central campaign followed by the followed by the 
northern campaign. Now, Israel is in the land, right? This is now the nation of Israel. The people are here. The nations are here. Now, one of the things I'm going to tell you, and we're going to talk more about this again at the end, Israel did a very bad job at one of the big command, a couple of the big commands that God had given them. One of them was they were to purge this land. They were to utterly destroy all the pagan worship, all the high places, all the idolatry. Well, they don't do that. They leave, they leave pockets of people and pockets of, of idolatry all over the place throughout this land. So although they've, they've had the central campaign, the southern campaign, northern campaign, they now unified Israel, there's, there's still paganism everywhere in their land. They're surrounded by it. They're living next door to people that are worshiping uh, false gods. So the next period that they enter into, and I'm going I'm to do, do this. This is up and down and ups and downs. Now, the, this is called the period of the judges, all right? Now, why I'm doing this is this next 350 to 400 years of Israel's history is marked by these ups and downs and ups and downs. They fall into sin. They worship the false gods. God chastises them. He brings punishment. Israel finally recognizes the error of their ways. They cry out to God. God brings a judge. The judge rescues them from this, uh, from this oppression. And then they are saved. And then they live pretty good for a little while. Well, Next thing you know, they're on the downhill side. They start falling into sin again. Start worshiping the false idols that they didn't purge from the land. Um, they start intermarrying like God told them not to. Um, and they, once again, are on the downhill side. So God would raise up. They would become oppressed. They would uh, be put into subjugation. And then they would finally cry out to God. God would raise up another judge. That judge would now deliver Israel. And so this cycle, so the, this is the period of judges. Now, in the period of judges, there are seven cycles of, and here's how we're going to do this. We're going to say seven cycles of sin. All right. Um, oh, man, the second word just... What's that? Servitude. Thank you. I was going to say subjugation, and I, I knew that wasn't right. All right, it's another S. All right, so sin and then servitude. So they, the people would fall into sin, and then they would go into servitude where, where the Philistines or some other nation would be oppressing them. So servitude. And then we have supplication. They would cry out to God for help. Then God would bring a deliverer, a judge, and they would have salvation. So it's seven cycles of Sin, servitude, supplication, salvation. So sin, servitude, supplication, salvation. This is the period of the judges. Now, three of those judges, we're going to remember their names. We're not going to remember all of them. But we are going to remember three of the judges. The first judge we're going to remember is a guy, um, and we're going to, I'm going to do this. I'm wringing out the fleece. And this is the judge Gideon. So when I do this, this is wringing out the fleece for one of the judges who had laid out fleece and he had tested God. Oh, if the, if the fleece is wet and the ground's dry, then I'll know that, you know, God commanded this. And so we're going to remember Gideon. The second judge we're going to remember is a woman judge by the, and we're going to call, I'm going to do this for, she's wearing a dress. This is for Deborah. All right. So first we have Gideon. Then we have Deborah. And the last one's easy to remember. This is? 
Samson. See, I didn't even have to teach you that one, right? You got that one down already. So the third one we're going to remember is Samson. Very good. Then we're going to jump to the last judge and the first prophet, and his name is Samuel. All right, so let's review where we've been so far. So, so far today, we're on Mount Nebo, where Moses preaches the book of Deuteronomy, and Moses dies. Joshua raises up, taking over leadership. He leads the people across the river Jordan. They, ha- they defeat the city of Jericho. They go to the city of Ai and defeated because... And they come back to Ai, and they have victory. Uh, Israel takes the central campaign, followed by southern campaign, followed by northern campaign. We now enter the period of judges. In the period of judges, there are seven cycles of Sin, servitude, supplica- uh, supplication, salvation. Very good. So three of the judges that God used to bring salvation. One of them is? Another one? And the final? Samson. Very good. The last judge and the first prophet is the name? Samuel. Now God, the people here at this point, they cry out to God, they, they, or really to Samuel, and, and they want to be just like the surrounding nations. Now, this is very ironic because they were, they were supposed to come in the land and cleanse it from all the influences of the foreign nations. They were supposed to be a holy and set-apart kingdom of priests for God. And here, at this point in their history, they're saying, we want to be like everybody else. Give us a king. So Samuel anoints the first king to be over Israel. We're going to remember the first four kings' names, all right? So now we enter the period of kings in Israel's history. The first king's name is Saul. Then Saul is followed by God's choice, which is David. David's son is the next king. His name is Solomon, followed by yeah, that one gets quieter. All right, we all know the first three. All right, it's Rehoboam, all right, or Rehoboam, whichever way you want to say it. So the four first four kings are Saul, David, Solomon, Rehoboam. All right, that's what we're going to remember. First four kings, Saul, David, Solomon, Rehoboam. Now, Rehoboam, and we're going to do, we're going to put some money in our hands and we're going to have it fly away. All right, I mean, this stands for Rehoboam raised the taxes. You ever feel like that? Your money's just flying away and you're paying your taxes, all right? So when I do this, you're going to say, Rehoboam raised the taxes, all right? Now, when he raised the taxes and he's kind of ruling, going to rule with an iron fist, well, what ends up happening is the kingdom splits, all right? The kingdom splits. So Rehoboam raises the taxes and then the kingdom kingdom splits. This now enters the period of Israel's history called the divided kingdom. All right. Now uh, we're going to remember a few things about this divided kingdom. In the north, up here in the northern kingdom, how many tribes go north? Ten. All right. So there's three things we're going to remember about the north and three things about the south. We're going to remember how many tribes, who uh, the king is, and what the kingdom is called. All right. So the northern kingdom is called Israel. Ten tribes are up in Israel, and the king is a man by the name of Jeroboam. All right. Now in the southern kingdom, 
This kingdom is known as the kingdom of Judah, or the nation of Judah, kingdom of Judah. The king is Rehoboam, that guy that raised the taxes, Rehoboam, and two of the tribes are down here in Judah, okay? So, up here in the kingdom of Israel, the king is Jeroboam, and, and there are how many tribes? Ten. In the southern kingdom, it is the kingdom of Judah. Who's the king? Rehoboam. And how many tribes? Two tribes. Now, picture yourself up here. You're, you've just gone through this divided kingdom. It's almost like a civil war type of thing, a separation. Jeroboam is the king of Israel, northern Israel. Now, Way back here, rewind in your minds, way back here in the desert down here at Mount Sinai where God had given the law, God had commanded them how they were to conduct themselves as a nation. The things that they were to do in order to relate with God rightly. You know, there were, there were things that they had to do. Like, for example, three times a year they had to go to the temple. Um, they had to appear at the temple three times a year. There were sacrificial systems ordered. There were, there were things that were going to identify them as a nation and how they were supposed to relate to their God. Now, fast forward through time, divided kingdom. You're Jeroboam up here in the north. Three times a year, do you want your people traveling to Jerusalem? No, that's in, the, that's in Judah, that's in the southern kingdom, right? So this becomes a political issue for Jeroboam. So Jeroboam thinks so lowly of God that he decides, you know what? I don't need Jerusalem. He sets up idolatry as the official religion of the northern kingdom, Israel. So from day one, Israel is really a, becomes this pagan nation that, that worships these idols, they abandon God right from the get-go because their leadership leads them that direction um, because they have this split with Judah. So from day one, Israel's up here. God's sending prophets, warning them, letting them know destruction is coming. Now, in the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, Judah with King Rehoboam and the two tribes. Um, the, the succession of kings that come from here, sometimes you'd have good kings, sometimes you'd have bad kings. Most of the time you have bad kings. Up there in the north, you never had a single good king that followed after God. You couldn't because in order to worship God, they'd have to be here in Jerusalem. Well, you don't even have Jerusalem if you're up there, so you can't have a, a good king up there that remains divided. So down here, these kings, they'd kind of come and go, but mostly they're following it, falling into just as much sin as the northern kingdom. Now, hundreds of years go by, divided kingdom, prophets are coming, warning both Israel and Judah that God's bringing destruction. By the way, this is Isaiah is on the scene, comes on the scene. This is the, the sermon series we've been doing, um, and warning them about these coming destructions. So... In 722 BC, the northern kingdom, over here in this area where Zach's sitting, God raises up the nation of Assyria. Assyria comes over, and we're going to do this for destroys. I'm going to say Assyria comes over and destroys Israel. Now, one of the reasons I'm doing the mixing bowl or mixing thing is that when they destroy Israel, Israel ends up completely intermarrying with the Assyrians. Israel is basically completely absorbed into Assyrian culture. 
uh, the descendants of these people end up being the Samaritans of the New Testament, where they had some Jewish uh, lines left in them, but they, were, they had been absorbed by the Assyrians during the uh, destruction. So in 722 BC, God raises up Assyria. Assyria comes over and destroys Israel. Israel's gone off the scene now. Now some 140, 150 years later, we are in the southern kingdom of Judah. Once again, many prophets coming on the scene, letting them know, hey, your sin is bringing God's judgment. You will be in captivity. You're going to be taken off into captivity. And the warnings are coming. Specific warnings about exactly how it was going to go down. They fail to repent. So over here where my family's sitting, they are the Babylonians. All right? They are the Babylonians. God raises up the nation of Babylon. Babylon comes over and takes Judah into captivity. And they drag the Israelites off to captivity in Babylon. Now, there's two people that we're going to remember over here in Babylon. The first one is, I'm going to do a lion. Okay, that's going to be a lion. That's going to be Daniel. So, we're going to remember the man... Daniel. Now we're going to remember a woman over here too, and I'm going to do a crown on her head. Uh, this is Queen Esther, all right? So we're going to remember Daniel and Esther. Daniel and Esther over in this period of time. All right, so now we're in captivity in Babylon. Let's rewind all the way back to Mount Nebo. Moses dies. All right, Joshua leads the Israelites across the river. Jordan. They defeat the city of Jericho. They go to the city of Ai, defeated because they come back to Ai. Victory. Israel then conducts the followed by followed by northern campaign. We enter into the period of judges. In a period of judges, there are seven cycles of Sin, servitude, supplication, salvation. Three of the judges that bring salvation. One of them is Gideon. Another is Deborah. And the final one, Samson. Now, the last judge and the first prophet is the man Samuel. Samuel anoints the first kings. The first four kings of this period now are Saul, David, Solomon, Rehoboam. Rehoboam raises... The taxes, and then the kingdom, the kingdom splits, the kingdom divides. The southern kingdom is called the kingdom of Judah. Judah, with King Rehoboam, how many tribes? Two. Two, very good. The northern kingdom is called the kingdom of Israel. Who's the king? Jeroboam, how many tribes? Ten tribes. So the northern kingdom follows after idols. They fall into sin. They refuse to repent. God raises up the nation of Assyria. Assyria comes over and destroys Israel. Israel's gone. Those tribes are gone off the map. Judah fails to repent. God raises up the nation of Babylon. Babylon comes and takes Judah into captivity and drags them off into the captivity. Now, how many years are they over here? Seventy years in captivity. Over here, we're going to remember the man and the woman, Esther. Now, 
We come to the end of the 70 years of this uh, captivity. Now, God uses three people to restore the people back into the land over here. Uh, there's three things that God rebuilds, and he uses three separate people to do it. And so that's what we're going to remember back over here. The first person we're going to remember, he, and I'm going to do this, he rebuilds the temple. Okay? So this guy rebuilds the temple, and it's a fun name to say. So you're all going to say it nice and loud with me, but it's Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. Isn't that fun to say? Zerubbabel. All right. So God brings back man to rebuild the temple. And his name is Zerubbabel. The second man that comes back. And I'm going to do a circle around the city of Jerusalem because this man rebuilds the walls around Jerusalem. Now this man's name is, say it loud. Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Very good. So this man is Nehemiah. So when I do this, he rebuilt the walls. This man's name is? Nehemiah. Nehemiah. And the third person we're going to remember, this person comes back and we're going to say he rebuilt the people. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold uh, the Bible open because what this guy does is he reads scripture. He, he reintroduces Israel to God's law. And so this man rebuilds the people. All right. He rebuilds the people and his name is Ezra. Ezra rebuilds the people. Okay? So let's rewind back to captivity. So we're over here in captivity. We're going to remember two people. The man, Daniel, and the woman, Esther. At the end of the 70 years of captivity, God brings the people back to land. The first person rebuilds the temple. His name is Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. All right? The second person rebuilds the walls. His name is Nehemiah. The third person rebuilds the people. The name is Ezra. Very good. Now at this point, the Old Testament closes. That's the final historical event of the Old Testament. So the Old Testament closes. Um, And then we enter, and I'm going to put an X over my mouth like this. Because we enter 400 years of what's called the 400 years of silence, all right, where God's not speaking. The prophets aren't coming anymore. There's 400 years of silence that the people enter into. And the next major event, just outside the city of Jerusalem, on a little town of Bethlehem, the Messiah is born. So we're going to do a little baby, and we're going to rock the baby. So the Messiah is born in the town of Bethlehem. That's the, the... first major event then of the New Testament. Okay? So, we ready to do the whole thing from beginning to end? (sighs) Who's ready to go home right now and do one in your living room? A few people are ready to do that. Mark's ready to do it. Mark, come on up. No? All right. Do I have any kids that can, a few, just a couple. All right, get a couple of kids up here with me. We're, I need you to, some, you're going to be loud. You got to be loud. Come on up. Get a few kids. You're going to be loud. All right, you want to come up? You're going to be loud? Anyone? Come on up here. All right, bring, bring. All right, I need, I need loud kids. Are you guys, you got to commit. You got to commit here to being very, you got to shout. So everybody, you, what, what I want you to do is really put the adults to shame. Uh, how well you do, okay? So that's your goal, is to, is to be louder than everybody else in here. All right? So you're going to be up here too? All right, we're going to start at the beginning of the Bible. What's the first book of the Bible? 
Genesis. Genesis. All right, so we're going to start way back in the Genesis. Now, you know, if they leave you hanging, we can yell at them and say louder, okay? That's what you get to do when you're up here. You get to yell, all right? But you want, you want to be loud too. So we're going to start in Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 is? Genesis. Genesis 3. The fall. The fall. Genesis 4. First murder. Genesis 5. Genealogies. Genesis 6. Seven. All right, all the way to nine. Flood. Genesis 10. Genesis 11. Tower of Babel. And that brings us down here to the city of Ur, where God calls salt. Sarah, Abraham, Lot, Terah. He calls Abraham out. He gives him three promises. Promises for? Land, seed, blessing. Abraham believes God. It's counted as righteousness. They come up here to the city of? Barren, Haran, and Terah dies. They travel down here to the land of Canaan where? Abraham has two eyes. Ishmael and Isaac. Which one's chosen? Isaac. Isaac has two sons. Very good. Jacob grows up. He has how many sons? Twelve. Who are the two youngest? Benjamin and Joseph. Joseph ends up down here in Egypt uh, in bondage to Potiphar. God raises him up and he becomes a big wheel. He says to his family up there, come on down. They come down. Seventy people become... Two and a half million and four hundred years. They cry out to God. God raises up the man, Moses. Moses says to Pharaoh, Let my people go. Let my people go. Pharaoh says, No. no. God brings ten plagues. ten plagues. Moses says to Pharaoh, Let my people go. Pharaoh says, yes. Go. So they cross over. What's this body of water? What is it? Uh, Red, sea. Red Sea. And they end up at Mount where God gives the law. The people travel up to the town of? Yeah, come on. You got to do better than all them. Ready? Kadesh Barnea. Or Katie's born, right? They travel up to the town of? Kadesh Barnea. Barnea. They send spies out. How many spies? Twelve spies out to check out the land. Ten of them come back and say? No. no. Two say. Two say. Who are the Two. Joshua and Caleb, the people believe the ten, and so they wander in the wilderness for how many years? Forty years. They end up up here again at Mount... Oh, you guys are dying off on me up here. Let's try it again. We're up here at Mount... Nebo. And some of them just do a shortcut. Do the Nebo like that. That's the shortcut. Mount Nebo. Up here at Mount Nebo, Moses preaches, and it's the book of... Deuteronomy, and then Moses dies. Joshua takes over leadership, and he leads the people across the river. Jordan, they defeat the city of Jericho. They come to the city of Ai, and they are defeated because... And they come back to Ai, and they have victory. Then Israel does the central campaign, followed by... Followed by... Northern campaign. Now we enter the period of judges, where we have seven cycles of sin, servitude, 
sin, servitude, supplication, salvation. God uses judges to bring about the salvation. Three of those judges are Gideon, Deborah, Samson. Very good. The final uh, judge in the first prophet's name is Samuel. Samuel anoints the first and second kings. And the first four kings are Saul, David, Solomon, Rehoboam. Rehoboam. Raises the taxes and the kingdom splits. In the southern kingdom, we call it the kingdom of Judah. Judah. It's King Rehoboam. And how many tribes? Two. Up here in the north, it's the northern, it's the kingdom of Israel. It's King Jeroboam. And how many tribes? Ten tribes. Now, the northern kingdom of Israel, do they follow God? No, they don't follow God. So God raises up the nation of Assyria. Assyria comes over and they destroy Israel. Israel's gone. Now, the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. Judah is fallen into sin. They fail to repent. God raises up the nation of Babylon. Babylon comes and takes the nation of Judah into captivity, and they drag them off to Babylon. Two people in Babylon we're going to remember is Daniel, Esther. Daniel and Esther. After how many years of captivity? Forty. Seventy. Seventy years of captivity. They come back over to land. God uses three people to rebuild Jerusalem. The first person rebuilds the temple. His name is? Zerubbabel, very good. The second person rebuilds the the walls. His name is Nehemiah. That's right. The third person rebuilds the people. His name is Ezra. And with that, the Old Testament closes. 400 years of silence here in the town of Bethlehem. Messiah is born. Jesus is born. All right, round of applause for my help. All right, go sit down. Go ahead. Go sit down. Good job. All right, so, so that is the Old Testament walkthrough. Now, this is a very unusual thing about, at, especially for FBC, is you didn't open your Bibles once, did you? All right, and, you, and really, I should have said at the beginning, you shouldn't even take notes because the point of this is to try to give you that method to help you memorize that timeline. Just kind of give you some hand signals and see it out so that you can remember the sequence of events so that when you hear a name thrown out, you can put it into a context in the, in the story. Because remember, all this whole story, all of it is pointing to the Messiah. I mean, all of it is revealing God to us. And Jesus being God in the flesh who makes the Father known, all of that is about him. All of that points to him. And so I want to close with just a, a little bit of a devotional thought. And, and I've emphasized this a couple of times. But when the people were commanded to go into the land and, and Moses preaches these sermons to them, you know, one of the things he tells them is do not forget the great and mighty things that God has done. Teach your children about these things. Don't let your children forget Have it as something that you build memorials to so that you are constantly reminded of the great and mighty things that God has done. 
The other thing they're commanded to do is to cleanse the land, to get rid of the idolatry, to, to destroy the high places in the land as they take it. Now, I want to put a verse up on the, a couple of verses out of the book of Judges because we enter this period of Judges, right? And the period of Judges are sin, servitude, supplication, salvation. Now, why is this? Why is that their cycle, that they just keep going through the same cycle? And I think a big explanation for that is found here in, in the very beginning of the book of Judges, Judges chapter 2. Read that first sentence. All that generation also were gathered to their father. So here's what it's saying, first of all, is that the generation that came out of Egypt and, and ended up in the wilderness, that generation dies in the wilderness because they believe the ten. The next generation raises up. They follow Joshua across into the land, and they go on these campaigns, and they're seeing all kinds of miracles of God bringing down the walls of Jericho. I mean, all kinds of great and mighty miracles that God is doing. Well, now that generation, that's the generation that are gathered to the Father. So it's saying now that generation is pretty much passing away, and it's the third generation, the ones whose grandparents crossed over the, the Red Sea. It says, there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord. What? How is that, how is that possible? They did not know the Lord? I mean, their grandparents had walked across the Dead Sea, had followed a pillar of fire in the wilderness. Their, their, their parents had seen the walls of Jericho come down, had been given these incredible, miraculous victories through these lands. How is it? that they don't know the Lord because they failed to do what Moses had commanded them to do back here, which was to remember the great and mighty acts of the Lord and to pass those on to their children. So a generation rises up that is not thinking at all about these great and mighty things that God has done. What happens to them? They don't know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. They don't know the things God had done for Israel. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. What Baals? I thought they were supposed to destroy all the Baals from the land. Well, they didn't. So they don't remember the great and mighty acts of the Lord. And then they fall into worshiping these Baals and these idols that are still in the land that they failed to get rid of from their land. And they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of people who were around them and bowed themselves down to them. Thus they provoked the Lord to anger. Now, here's the devotional thought that I want us to leave, to really consider this week as we think through this storyline. Up here in the town of Bethlehem, we have the baby Messiah, right? We have Jesus Christ born whose purpose was to go to the cross, right? To go to the cross and pay for the sin of man, the sinful hearts and intentions and brokenness and death that has consumed man. Because first of all, God knows that there is throughout this timeline of history, going all the way back to Genesis 3, and then Genesis 11, that mankind can never grab life and achieve it for themselves. They can never reach God who is the giver of life 
for themselves. And there's a failure after failure after failure. One of the themes of the Old Testament is shows us the results of our sin and how broken we are apart from God that we cannot achieve life for ourselves as a result of the fall. And so Christ comes on the scene and he pays that price. He does what we are unable to do for ourselves. And he offers us freely life. The very same life that people all throughout history have been trying to grab for themselves in their own ways, Jesus now offers it to you freely as a gift, eternal life. Because he has conquered death, he has now the power to give life to any who he would choose. And he gives that to us through simple faith. We believe in him for it. And because of what he did on the cross and because he came out of that tomb victorious over death, he has the power to give it to us freely. Now, tie this back to this Judges 2 thought. Do you, like me, often feel like you are trapped in a cycle in your life of sin, servitude, supplication, salvation? Sin, servitude, supplication, salvation. Hopefully I'm not the only one in the room that Sometimes I, I get on, I'm like, how am I on this train again? God, I thought we dealt with that. And here I am again, I'm, I'm stuck. Why, why am I stuck in this circle? I'm trapped in this circle. And, and so I'm, now I'm focusing inward and I can't understand why am I on this treadmill? Why am I back in this place again? How is it that I'm, I'm not experiencing that victory? Um, why, Lord, why is this happening? Well, one thought that I want us to have, why is it that it happened for the people in the period of the judges? There were two reasons that I want us to consider for ourselves. One reason is they had forgotten the great and mighty things God had done for them. So for us as believers, brothers and sisters in the room, what is the great and mighty act that God has done for us? Jesus Christ on the cross, him and him crucified. Now, do we go through life with Christ ever present before our eyes? Do we, do we make our thoughts consumed on him, who he is and what he has done for us? Do we build remembrances around us so that we can fix our eyes on Christ? Because if not, we become easy to do exactly what these people did, which is not think about and forget the great and mighty acts that God has done. And as soon as I forget the great and mighty acts that God has done, these idols that are around that I failed to get rid of so easily entangle me because I've forgotten what God has done. So for us as believers, one lesson from the judges is we keep the gospel as something we preach to ourselves daily. I need you all to remind me every day of God and the great and mighty things he has done, how awesome he is, how faithful he is, how much he loves me. I need you reminding me of that because I easily forget it. And when I easily forget it, I find myself back in this train again, this cycle that I can't get out of. And so, so one devotional thought from that period of Judges for us is we keep the cross, we keep Christ, we keep the great and mighty acts that God has done as something that identifies who I am. 
It's not just something I think about on church at church on Sunday. It's something I think about every morning. It's something that I consume myself with because that is what I need so that I remember the great and mighty thing God has accomplished for me. And then the second half of this is God empowers us through his Holy Spirit and he's given me the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead. I have power now to break down these idols, these high places in my life that so easily entangle me? Am, am I doing like Israel? I'm sort of taking over the land and calling myself a Christian, but I'm not really working at getting rid of these idols and purging those high places from my life. And so those are the two thoughts I want us to consider. Just like God had commanded Israel to do when they went into the land, I think he gives us that same, he gives us, um, that same command, but now we have the strength of the Holy Spirit within us. And the two things I want us to think of, one is, let's keep the great and mighty acts of God as something that we are reminded of continuously, something we teach our children and our grandchildren, something when I, I'm talking with a buddy on a Wednesday and, and he's telling me about some problem that he's having in life, you know, if I walk away from that conversation after an hour talking to him and then I get home, I was like, you know, we never mentioned God once. I'm becoming like the, I am forgetting that there is an incredible almighty God in the universe who's in control of everything. That, that should consume my every thought, my every conversation. And so God gives us Christ to set before our eyes and we fix our eyes on him. And by his power and his strength, we break down the high places in our life that so easily entangle us. Because when I take my eyes off of Christ, I'm going to find myself back trapped in this cycle again. And those high places will draw me right in. And so that's the devotional thought I want to close with. Let, let's, uh, let's pray and I'll ask Terry to come back up here. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. Lord, for the great and mighty things you have accomplished for us. For the promises you have given us, Lord, that we can trust. Lord, that we can know how much you love us because we look at the cross. We see what you have done. Father, I pray for every one of us here, Lord, that that would be something that would so consume our hearts, Lord, that it becomes everything that we're about is about you and what you have accomplished on our behalf and that our eyes would be fixed on you, Father, so that we can have the power and the strength, Lord, to overcome the cycles of our life. I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.